Welcome to the Retrovenix Podcast. In this podcast, your host, Lori and me, will interview published authors to chat about their work, journey to getting published, and their book recommendations. If you share a passion for books and are always looking for your next read, then join us. Welcome to the Retrovenix Podcast. Today, we have an author interview with small town romance author, Dylan Crash. Before we get to today's interview, I want to chat a little bit about the Retrovenix Podcast Patreon community. We have created a romance reader community with lots of perks, and I want to walk you through each of the fun perks so you can choose if you want to join us. For $1 a month, you can get access to weekly romance recommendations that feature KU, Ottawa escape recommendations, as well as trip recommendations um, based on the community. There are about 25 plus recommendations so far, and we post new recommendations every Saturday. For $5 a month, you get early access to author interviews, um, and we'll also be launching a Patreon-exclusive backlist series with where we feature authors and series spotlights. My goal for the series is for you to discover new series and authors that you can pick up from your library and your, or their lower cost at a bookseller. If you want to connect with romance readers, I have a monthly book club and book recommendation meetup over Zoom. We also have a newsletter and an Instagram chat, and that perk is $10 a month, but it's an awesome opportunity to connect with awesome community members. They're really awesome, and so it's a really great community to be part of. If you're interested in signing up to any of these perks, just, just click on the link in the show notes. It's a fun opportunity for you to connect with other romance readers, to get recommendations, to figure out what you're going to read next. Um, so hopefully you'll get to join us. Now let's go to the author interview. Today's guest is Dylan Crush. Dylan's latest book is The Cowboys as a Jew was released earlier this month and it was a small town Roman set in Texas and it's so cute. So I hope you enjoy this interview and now let's go to it. Hi Dylan, welcome to watch your next podcast. Thank you, I'm excited to be here. So happy to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a Texas gal at heart, I'm currently living in a suburb of Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, I write contemporary romance, including cowboys, small town, and um, probably like most of your other guests and listeners, I'm an avid reader. So, I love it. And so when is far you should become a writer? Um, I have always loved reading um, from the time I was little. I was one of those kids that used to stay up late at night with a flashlight under the covers, you know, hiding my, my books so that I didn't get caught. Um, and with that, I love to write. And I, I think when I was younger, when I was little, I, I wrote a lot of poems, just, you know, silly poems and, and things like that. But I just, I found that I could much easier, you know, convey my thoughts and feelings and things through words than I could through, um, through the written word, um, than I could through most other things. So I've, I've just always kind of had a, a love for reading and writing. And, um, I used to, you know, borrow, I guess, steal, borrow books from my mom and dad's bookshelves. So mm-hmm. I grew up reading like Danielle Steele novels and Sidney Sheldon and, and Jackie Collins, you know, when I was probably much, much too young to actually be reading any of, of those kinds of books. Mm-hmm. But I've just always had a, a love for reading. And, and through that, you know, the writing kind of came through that. So. And so what was that journey to get that first book published? It was a very long and winding road. And I think, you know, that's not uncommon. I decided to go the traditional route. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I wrote my first manuscript and wasn't really sure what to do with it. Um, you know, it, it started off as just a writing prompt that I did through a writing group that I was in. And 
I, I went to our meeting and, you know, we all exchanged pages and they read what I wrote and they said, what happens next? And I said, I don't know. And so, you know, I did that for about a little over a year. And then finally towards the end of that, I was like, I think, I think I might, I mean, this might be a book. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so it took me a little over a year to get through that. And then, you know, then I started looking at what do you do now if you have a book that you want to get published? And that was back in, well, probably around 2014. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, self-publishing for sure was a thing, but I had no clue, um, you know, what to do or how to go about that. And so I got that big, huge, thick book from the library, like the writer's market, the guide to all the agents and publishers and everything. And that's where I started. And so I I queried with my first manuscript and it got rejected by everyone. And then while I was querying, I wrote a second manuscript and that one actually got picked up by an agent and I had a couple different offers of representation. And um, I signed with my agent and, and then she sent that book out on sub and nobody bought it. And, um, and then we sent another book out on sub and nobody bought it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but people, you know, editors liked my voice. I kept getting the feedback that, you know, they liked the writing, but you know, they couldn't buy this book because they didn't, you know, this kind of heroine didn't sell well, or they couldn't buy this book because the setting didn't work. And so so in working with my agent, we came up with a couple different ideas and, and pitched some ideas. And and so Cowboys ended up being where it was at for me. And so my first book was sold to Sourcebooks, mm-hmm. and that was in 2017. And then All-American Cowboy came out in July of 2018, and that was my first published book. That's amazing. So. <laughs> yes. So everybody comes at it differently. And so, yeah, it yeah. was... That's not the path I thought I would take, but yeah, it's like a process. I feel like it's really rare to find someone who's just like, writes the first manuscript, sells it, and just like go with it. Like, it's like, I feel like whatever, when I ask this question is like, you run multiple manuscripts and you go through it's a winding road of like one step forward, two step back, one step forward, two step back until you get to that first book polish. So. Exactly. And everybody comes to a different, you know, I, I know some people have had incredible success with their first manuscript and sells right off the bat and they end up with, you know, multiple book deals and, and that was not what happened to me. But looking back, um, I mean, I still love that first manuscript because I had no clue what I was doing, but I just mm-hmm. kind of poured everything into it. Um, and so, you know, looking back, it's like there were just so many things wrong with it. But you don't know what you don't know, and if you don't try, you you won't go anywhere. So it, it's been a really good experience, and I've oh. definitely learned a lot along the way. Oh, that's so great to hear. So let's talk about your writing. Do you follow another one, or do you see where does Shirley to you? I do a little bit of both. I I try to outline, and, you know, most of the time I, I end up, I have to have some idea of what's going to happen. Um, I normally know, you know, who the characters are and how it's going to end. Um, but the more I try to plot, you know, then I sit down to write and then my characters kind of take over. And so I, I normally start off thinking I'm going one direction and then inevitably they do something in the middle that throws me off. And so I feel like I'm constantly like re-outlining a little bit or kind of replotting. So I try to get the the big turning points um, and then, you know, let let them kind of figure out what happens in between because otherwise 
it gets really frustrating when you're trying to write a book and you're trying to make your characters do something and they won't. Um, it's it's a struggle. So yeah, I, I find if I if I build my characters and I kind of know their backstory and I know what they need and I know what's getting in their way, that they know what they need to do and they kind of lead me on that journey. I love it. I love the characters of the linear journey. Like you're just uncovering what they want to do next. You're just, you know, riding the road. Well, and that's, that's what my husband says, you know, say, I'll try, I'm trying to make them do this. He's like, but you're the writer, you know, just write them doing that. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You try to make them do something that doesn't feel right. And, you know, they, you have to turn back and figure out where you went off the rails because yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Oh. So how do you organize yourself how do you organize yourself as a writer? How do you pack up your ideas, inspirations, and characters? I have probably I don't even wanna try to guess how many notebooks. because um, ideas come whenever. You know, I, I could be most of my ideas come when I have nothing available to write on, like in the shower or um I used to go, you know, back when we could go to the gym. Um, I used to go to spin class from time to time. And I think it's when, when I'm not trying to think of ideas that they come the most easily. And of course, then I'm unprepared and have nothing to write on. But um, so as far as keeping organized, I do use OneNote to kind of keep uh, a running list with, you know, lots of different tabs and everything and potential book ideas and um, different locations and different characters and things like that. But in the heat of the moment, I mean, I, I will write something down on the back of an envelope. Um, I've I've had to rip up, you know, things that my kids have brought home from school. I've had to use a corner of, you know, a math worksheet and, and things like that to, to keep track. Um, I also am notorious for calling myself and leaving myself a voicemail when inspiration strikes and I'm like in the car or something, I'll call myself and leave myself a message mm-hmm. and then pray that I'm the one that, you know, gets home first and, and hears it because <laughs> nobody else is going to have any idea what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I tend to email myself ideas. I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to do that. You know, just write it out on my phone and just like it goes to Fever. So, but I love the voice. Right. Yeah, so. Well, or I'll text myself and then it will be this cryptic text that I see, you know, two days later and it's, you know, with something like in the cornfield. And I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? So, <laughs> you're like, the idea was really smart at the time. But right. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Do you share work along the way you would complete a father's charade? It depends. I I think it depends on how comfortable I am with, you know, the, the first few scenes. Mm-hmm. Usually if I have, you know, I kind of will plot a little bit and then get it going and a little right. And then I have to kind of go back and, and re-outline based on where I'm going. And, and there have been many, many times where I've written, you know, the first half of a book and then halfway through I figure out like, oh, no, she doesn't need this. She really needs this, you know, and then I have to, then I'll write to the end and then I have to go back and fix the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so it depends on how comfortable, how satisfied I am with what I've done so far. If I'm feeling really solid about it, then I might share the first little bit and share as I go. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think also with 
the publishing calendar that that I've kind of put myself on now, I, I'm a hybrid. So, you know, I, I write for traditional publishers and then I also do some indie publishing. And depending on timing, too, because there are some times where you just don't really have time to send a whole entire manuscript through critique partners because most of the people that I share my work with are super busy, too. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of depends on, on how much time I've allowed myself to go through that process. Mm. Yeah, I think I can imagine it's just it's a, it's a lot of writing, it's a lot of work, and there's also the feedback and trying to incorporate it. And that's more time to, you know, when you're trying to get, get the book done, so. Right. Well, and I, I think, too, as you evolve as a writer and you kind of find your voice and you find what works for you, I think, you know, it, it you maybe don't need that, you know, line-by-line line critique so much, um, whereas what's really helpful to me right now is if I'm plotting or I get in a bind where, you know, my characters aren't doing what I think they need to do, if I can pick up the phone or get on a, a Zoom call or something and chat with one of my writing pals, then, you know, I can normally get myself unstuck that way. So, yeah. so it's maybe not as valuable to me to do the, you know, line by line, chapter by chapter critique as it is to just kind of do the overall um, story idea. Yeah. And work through that. That's really good. Um, so let's talk about the Cowboy Says idea. What was the source of inspiration for the series? You know, I don't remember exactly when inspiration hit for this one, okay. but I have spent, I love, 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 um, I mean, I grew up in Texas. I love everything about just kind of, you know, rustic, kind of ranch, farm. Um, I'm constantly on Pinterest looking at, you know, like farmhouse kitchens and things like that. And so I think it was probably during one of my many hours spent on Pinterest that I, I think I fell into a a like cowboy wedding mm -hmm. kind of search and there are some amazing amazing pictures and I got married I don't even want to say how long ago because then everybody will know how old I am but um when I got married they didn't you know we got married in in an old theater and it was fabulous but you know just looking at some of these pictures of these western weddings and all the cool decorations and things it just it just made me think, you know, like, oh, I would love to incorporate some of those ideas into a book. And so, so I guess when it, you know, came down to what can we do, um, that was one of the ideas I proposed was just this, this town that was losing its biggest employer and the mayor, who is a sassy, strong heroine, needed to figure out what she could do to save the day. And so, you know, so weddings. I love it. And what's love, more romantic than a wedding, right? Yeah, I love the promise of the wedding. I love the promise of the, the town I don't to become her argue and just make, you know, take the wedding business, you know, by storm. So I got a question. Um, because you write small town romans, and so this is a small town. Um, the town is I don't, but then it becomes I do. What was the process of like of just building this small town and just creating the characters and the different pieces together that makes this town unique? I think that's one of my favorite parts. Um, I, like I said, grew up in Texas, but I grew up in a suburb of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. I mean, I didn't grow up in a, a tiny ranching town or small town, but my grandparents had a place that I used to visit in the summers, and they were in a small town. And it was just so funny. I mean, that was back when they had party lines, 
And, you know, your phone would ring, a special ring if it was for you. They would share a phone line with other people. And so, you know, if it rang a certain ring, then you knew it was for your neighbor. And so, you know, just that that sense of kind of closeness and everybody knows what's going on. And, and you know, we would go with my grandpa to the senior center and play bingo and he'd catch up on all the the daily gossip and we'd go down to the cafe and things like that. And so I just love that sense of community. Mm-hmm. And I, I think also when you're working with small towns, the characters are so important mm-hmm. and, you know, there's gotta be kind of the busybody that's always in everybody's business. And, you know, you just have all of these past relationships that are just poised for conflict and tension and lots of, of opportunities for comedy. So, so I think that's what I love about writing the small towns is just the, the town itself almost can become a character mm-hmm. and just, you know, that sense of community and in Lacey's case, you know, she, she was tied to the town. I mean, she grew up there and her dad was the mayor. She was going to do everything in her power to keep them from going under. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Lacey was like a fun character, you know, that she ran for mayor and she's working and she's like trying she feels like she has the weight of her weight of the world in her shoulders like she was like i need to revitalize the economy and i need to do all these different things and it's just like it just brought so much she was such a strong heroine and it just brought so much to you know that it's possible like when she sets her mind to something she'll she'll accomplish um why pick weddings as a business to revitalize the economy because I found that that was unique for this book. Um, why weddings? Well, I think, you know, I, I knew that I wanted there to be weddings. And so that was one thing I was not negotiable on with Lacey is she had to come up with the idea of weddings. And so I think um, for her, it was a way to really incorporate all of the different businesses in town. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she she wanted to come up with an idea that would take advantage of the space that they already had because they had this, you know, fabulous mansion in the Phillips house that that was already there that the town owned. And so they were able to use that. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, having some way for all the townspeople to get involved because, mm-hmm. you know, she couldn't do it. Even though she led the charge, she couldn't do it by herself. She needed the support of everybody in town. And so that's where you get you know, kind of this crazy cast of characters that are all trying as much as they might to put together a romantic wedding spot. And, you know, some of them have, <laughs> as as when you read the book, you find out, you know, some of them don't have much experience in that department at all. So <laughs> Yes. I think it was just like a good comedy of errors. She's like, I, I love the florist. She, she was unique. And the cake business was unique. Like how they all came together. And at the same time, we're like, you're like, mm, I don't know. This is like not traditional. So I think it brought, it brought the town to come together, which was really fun. Yeah, some of the, I really enjoyed writing Susie the Florist, and she does make an appearance in later books. So okay. if you liked her, you'll, you'll get to see her again. I love that. She was definitely a cover girl. <laughs> or <laughs> that's what she was. I love that. <laughs> so. Um, so let's talk about Bodhi. Bodhi is a Japanese sheriff, but his family is involved in some shady business um and it was interesting that caught me because his family had the they're running the business economy for the town and they closed down and they're like we need to go to we're going to the other town um 
because Bodhi, they want Bodhi to keep the business going, but Bodhi's like, no, I'm just going to go straight in some ways. You know, what was important to share this dichotomy of like this shady business, family situation, and then Bodhi, you know, being part of the law, um, you know, in this struggle. Well, I think for Bodhi, I mean, he's kind of caught in the middle because, you know, he's always suspected his his um, dad and his grandpa have been involved in some things that kind of skirt the line. Yep. And for him, you know, I mean, family is so important, especially when you're in a small town and you stay in a small town and it's that mm-hmm. sense of community, but it's also, you know, family. He's always been raised that family is the most important thing. And now, you know, he's on one side of the law and he finds out his dad and his grandpa are kind of on the other. Mm-hmm. And so for him, you know, he's got to figure out where do his loyalties lie. And having that connection with Lacey and her family, I think it makes it really tough for him. At least that's what I tried to, to bring through is kind of that struggle. Because obviously, you know, he cares about his dad and his grandpa. But, you know, he also has to decide, is he going to continue to look the other way? or you know, what does he want to, I guess, represent where, you know, what does he want to be known for? So mm-hmm. I think for him, it was that internal struggle of, you know, family versus the family that you're born into versus the family that you find and mm-hmm. really kind of where, where he wanted his loyalties to lie and where he wanted his future to be. Yeah. And hopefully yeah, it, that comes through. It does. I think it comes through. I think it's just like, his journey is like it takes you to a journey like he the struggle with his family the struggle you know and understanding the found family understanding his red lacy like all it all comes together as you read the book and i think it's just like this whole process of him you know understanding himself understanding how Mm -hmm. he engages himself with with the town with lacy with his family and even just like in general so it does um, so you use Bowser's best friend as a trope, and then we have a twist where we got a fake engagement, which, by the way, that's one of my favorite tropes. Why pick this trope? <laughs> Especially the fake engagement, I think it's, like, amazing, because <laughs> uh, it's just, like, that's just, like, catnip for me, but, you know, why pick this trope for this relief, for this vibe? We all have our favorite tropes, don't we? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's one of mine, too. And I, I really love brother's best friend, especially when it's the older brother and the younger sister, because, you know, there's that sense of protectiveness and it's almost like a forbidden relationship because there's just so much angst, um, you know, and, and in Bodie and Lacey's case, you know, I mean, her brother is definitely standing between them and they have every reason, you know, to stay apart, but they just can't help it. And so, you know, it's like this really satisfying kind of slow burn that that I always enjoy and then you know the fake relationship I just especially in this situation I think you know when I did the fake relationship he wasn't expecting it and so it you know hopefully putting a little bit of a twist on that where you know neither one of them really want to be in this fake relationship um Mm -hmm. And there's just so much opportunity for humor with that, that I couldn't pass it up. And especially when we're talking about weddings, mm-hmm. um, I just thought, you know, they, they both had a reason to stick with it, but the further in they got, the harder it was. And I just thought it, it was a lot of fun to write. 
especially when they start talking to the reporter and, you know, I don't want to give anything away, no spoilers, but, you know, when they start kind of um, embellishing upon each other's <laughs> different needs and, and things like that, um, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I loved it. I was like, this is like, it just became kind of like one of my favorite books in that way. Where it was like, <laughs> holy crap, there's like the thing that I love. So, um, so this is awesome. Um, so there's some conversations about a dog ring, about pit bulls and dog rings. Um, are we going to hear more about it in book two in the next book in the series? Yep, book two is actually Zena is Lacey's best friend, and she is the director of the the Pitbull Rescue, and she is the heroine in book two. So you'll definitely hear more about it in book two, and then book three is um, still in edits, but book three should definitely it it comes back in book three. So yeah, that will be something that kind of carries through the whole series. Okay. Yeah, I really love it. And I love, and what was that source of inspiration for the Pitbull? Because I felt like that was like unique, you know, the whole Pitbull rescue and just, you know, the whole process. So we have a rescue dog okay. and, and um, we have one purebred Great Dane that is absolutely crazy. And then we have a sweet, sweet rescue dog and he's definitely got some pity in him. Um Aww. And so I think, you know, when we were looking for a rescue dog, we went, actually, there was a, a great dog online and, you know, we got information and they said that he was definitely, you know, pit bull. And so they said, you need to make sure you check with your insurance agent and homeowners and your HOA and all this stuff, because there's just such a, a fear of pit bulls and, and, you know, some Ins some homeowners insurance policies won't even cover it if you have a pit bull. Mm. Um, my sister actually has a, a pit bull mix, and they're moving to Alaska. And she said she can't even. They were going to drive, and they can't take their dog through Canada because they won't even allow her. And so they they had to fly her. But um, so I just think there's you know and definitely you know there there are a lot of dogs that you know that that have been raised to fight or you know that that have not been raised with good intentions and you know but I, I hate that just a whole breed gets such a bad rap and so you know I mean this book is a love story and it's funny and there's a lot of humor in it but you know when we were talking about um, you know adding something else to it I I don't know. I just was thinking about the the poor pit bull. We didn't end up adopting that pit bull because, you know, our, our homeowner's policy was one of the ones that said that they would not insure mm -hmm. if um if we had that dog. And I just thought that's just so you know, it's it's not fair. Um mm -hmm. and it just made me really kind of look more into it. And so the dog we have now, you know, on paper he's a lab mix. <laughs> Because I think a lot of rescues will say that um, because there is such a, a stigma against pit bulls. But, you know, you can definitely see in the cock of his head and the way his ears go and stuff like that. And so it just I'm I'm a sucker for, you know, forgive my like pun here, but, you know, like the underdog. And and I just feel like pit bulls get a really bad rap. I've met so many that are just sweethearts. And so just, you know, kind of wanted to it gave me an opportunity to kind of bring that into the story. It was like, I really so loved that's it. where that came from. Yeah, I love that. I love the storyline. 
Um, I didn't love the storyline of the fights, but I love the storyline of Zock and like how how they came to be and like the process of falling in love with it and the process of having a pit bull rescue. Like it just felt really, it felt really good. So it just added good. Know, so awesome. So now let's go to round of book recommendations. This is an opportunity for you to share with the audience what they should read next. What is your favorite genre? I have to say contemporary romance, of course. I mean, I do read across many different genres. I love romance. Um, I will read, you know, I'll try anything in romance. I, I have read historical, paranormal, um, dark romance, inspirational. I just, I love it all. I love the happy endings. Um, and then I also read, I mean, I read nonfiction. I'm at a book club that reads literary fiction. So pretty much I'll read anything. Hello. But my favorite is, Favorite is romance. <laughs> I love this. So what has been a book that you read this past year that you loved? There have been a couple. I think um, two that, that come to mind. I mean, there's just there's so many. I know. I knew you were going to ask me this. And it's like I can't really keep it to one. Um, okay. I I read, I not that long ago, I read One Moment, Please by Amy Dawes. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I can always count on her for a good time. And um, also Lucy Score, I, I read Bias Red, and those are two that really stick with me. And and the one that I'm most looking forward to reading, and it's at the top of my TBR pile, and it's been there for like a month, and I haven't been able to get to it yet, <laughs> is um, Real Men Knit. Oh, I really, yeah. really, really want to read that one. Have you read that one yet? No, it's on my TBR too, so yeah. Okay. It's like, it's there. I'm a knitter. Oh. Yes, I'm a knitter, and so the idea of these, you know, big, big men that are, you know, maneuvering their knitting needles around. I mean, I, I know men who knit, and I've been in knitting groups and stuff, and so, um, but it's just, that just thrills me to see it in the mainstream. I love so it. I'm super excited about that one, and I'm starting it this weekend. I'm putting it out there. I'm starting it this weekend, and yeah, it's been at the top of my list now for like a month, and I've been reading so many things that aren't published yet because I've had so many critique partners and things. You know, we've been sharing stuff back and forth here and there, and, and so it's been yeah. busy. That's one thing. When you start to write a lot, you don't have as much time to read, mm-hmm. so that would be the one drawback. I feel you. So, oh my gosh, thank you. So, tell us where we can find you online. So, I am on my website at dylancrush.com and it's two N's. So, D Y L A N N C R U S H.com. I also hang out a lot on Facebook. I have a reader group called the Crush and It Crew, and um, I'm on Instagram at Dylan Crush. And then I also do a, a podcast and live Facebook show twice a month on Romance Happy Hour, where we talk to authors and talk about what we're reading and things. And so you can find me there. I love it. Thank you, Jill, for being on the show. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with friends, subscribe, or rate and review the show. This is the easiest way to support this podcast. Want to join a romance-loving community? Want weekly book recommendations, monthly author Q&As, and book recommendation meetups? Make new friends? Then join our Patreon community. To sign up, please follow the links in the show notes. What to Read Next Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to love on frolic.media slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.